Welcome to Misty 101 podcast. We hope that you enjoy this episode of our podcast. Boris on the brink, labor storm ahead in latest polls after party shock. Reports of COVID rule breaking at Downing Street, allegations of bullying by Tory whips and now an inquiry into Islamophobia by the whips office have seen labor storm ahead in the latest polls. Calls have been growing stronger for the Prime Minister to step down. Does this spell the end for Boris Johnson? Polls suggest Boris Johnson's shambolic handling of the Partygate scandal has caused voters to turn away from his party. The latest story in the Partygate saga is the PM attended a birthday bash at number 10 with 30 guests enjoying party food from Marks and Spencers and a Union Jack birthday cake. The gathering went ahead despite the COVID rules at the time forbidding social gatherings indoors. Although Downing Street says the PM attended for less than 10 minutes and all those present were working at number 10, this is just one of a series of rule-breaking events. The public's anger at these rule-breaking gatherings has caused labor to surge ahead in the polls. The latest polls by Savant Comres show voting intentions have swung from right to left. Of the 2,232 UK adults that were surveyed between 21 January and 23 January, 1940% said they would vote for Labour. A mere 32% said they would vote for the Conservatives. This equates to an eight-point lead by the Labour Party which means Boris Johnson has a long way to go if he's win back the electorate. The polls also showed the Liberal Democrats would have 11% of the vote share, while Greens would have 4% and the SNP 5%. These latest polls will come as a blow to Mr Johnson, as he's already under pressure from those within his own party to resign. Many Conservatives loyalists feel their party is being dragged down by the PM's actions. Conservative peer Baroness Saida Warsai told ITV News, it doesn't just have an impact in relation to the Prime Minister or the Conservative Party or politics right now, it starts to damage our very faith in politics or politicians. She continued, at some point. The Prime Minister is going to have to take a long hard look at himself and say the office of the Prime Minister is far more important than an individual. And for the sake of our country, it is important that we preserve the dignity of the office of the Prime Minister, and it is an office that continues to be listened to in the UK and respected abroad. Sir Keir Starmer was equally critical of the PM as he told the BBC. The Prime Minister has degraded the office of Prime Minister and he has lost all authority, not only in his own party but in the country. It's not just Partygate that has caused serious issues for the Tories, allegations that the Conservative Party whips have employed blackmailing tactics to keep their MPs in line has also damaged the party's image. Even more concerning are claims made by MP Nusrat Ghani that she was sacked as a minister after being told her Muslimness was making colleagues uncomfortable. Politics.co.uk reports support for the Tories has now dropped to its lowest level this century. They say it has fallen to a mark last seen during the unpopular John Major government back in the 1990s. 
Boris Johnson is now 3 forward slash 1 to resign by the end of the month, having been 7 forward slash 2 yesterday, according to the Betfair barometer. Betfair exchange spokesperson Sam Rosbottom said, It seems like Boris Johnson will not be able to have his cake and eat it with the British public and several MPs outraged over a birthday party that was held for him in June 2020. Subsequently, the Prime Minister is now 3 forward slash 1 on Betfair exchange to resign before February as tension surrounding his position grows. Punters on Betfair Exchange are also backing Johnson to face a vote of no confidence within the next week at 1 and 7 eighths. Rishi Sunak remains a clear 1 and 3 eighths favourite to take over from Johnson at 1 and 3 eighths, while Liz Truss trails at 6 forward slash 1 and Jeremy Hunt at 15 forward slash 2. Scottish Government tries to translate Burns Night into Gaelic, and ends up getting scorched. Her government spends millions of pounds a year promoting Gaelic and has ensured the language is plastered over everything from emergency vehicles to road signs. But Nicola Sturgeon's administration was left red-faced on Burns Night after publishing an embarrassing translation error as Scots all over the world gathered to celebrate the country's national bard. An official Scottish government social media account wished Scots all over the world Oish Loskidsena, in what was supposed to be a translation of Happy Burns Night on Tuesday, alongside an image of a traditional supper of haggis, neeps and tatties. However, the patriotic tweet, issued to almost 5,000 followers by the nationalist government's devolved rural affairs department, backfired when it emerged that Loskid was not Robert Burns' Gaelic surname but the word for a physical injury caused by heat or chemicals. And while some names do have Gaelic translations, this does not apply to Burns, Gaelic language experts confirmed, and speculated that a hapless official had merely typed the greeting into Google Translate before publishing it to the world. Donald Cameron a Scottish Conservative MSP for the Highlands and Islands who took his parliamentary oath in Gaelic last May, said, whoever was responsible will be sat eating their haggis with a bit of a red face tonight. It is just as well Burns showed more attention to detail in his works, than this official did in this tweet. In its most recent budget, the Scottish Government committed £25.3 million in taxpayers' cash to Gaelic learning and a further £3 million to a Gaelic capital fund. Last year, it published a 48-page Gaelic plan, in which it hailed the language as an integral part of Scotland's heritage, national identity and current cultural life. A devoted Gaelic government agency, Bordnal Gaelic, is based in Inverness and is tasked with overseeing the plan. Among their roles is to advise the Scottish Government on Gaelic issues. Another of its missions is to influence national and international events and celebrations, to ensure Gaelic is featured prominently. However, it appeared that civil servants had failed to consult an expert at the agency, which employs the equivalent of 19 full-time workers. The tweet was swiftly deleted after the error was pointed out by Roger Hutchinson, an author and journalist. He tweeted, So glad the Scottish Government has a salaried Gaelic officer, 
who trusts Google Translate to know the difference between heat burns, losgit, and the surname burns, burns, dot. Half-term holiday chaos as only double-jabbed Britons will be allowed into Spain, ruling out most children. Families face half-term holiday chaos as Spain will not let in children with only one jab, even if they have had COVID. Spain, the UK's most popular holiday destination, with more than 18 million visitors a year, has ruled that only fully jabbed Britons will be allowed in after classing Britain as a high-risk country. It means up to 2.5 million British children aged 12 to 15 are effectively barred from Spain because they are not fully vaccinated. Only 300,000, or 12%, of British 12 to 15-year-olds have so far had two jabs, while just half, 52%, have had one dose. The rest are unjabbed. As an alternative. Spain will accept COVID recovery certificates for arrivals from high-risk countries who have had the virus, but not from the UK. In a statement posted on its website, the Foreign Office warned, if you're travelling to Spain for tourism purposes, you cannot use the UK proof of COVID-19 recovery record certifying that you have recovered from COVID-19 in the last six months. Paul Charles chief executive of travel consultancy the PC agency, said the restrictions and confusion over the requirements for travel were causing havoc. The 12 to 17-year-old age group has suffered disproportionately. That's why so many family holidays have been cancelled, he said. It is an age group that has suffered especially in Europe with other countries imposing tougher restrictions on them because they have not been fully vaccinated. It is a direct consequence of the government not prioritizing 12 to 17-year-olds to be fully jabbed, while other European nations have done so. It threatens half-term disappointment for many families planning skiing holidays in the Spanish Pyrenees or trips to holiday homes or tourist hotspots like the Balearics, Canaries, Barcelona, Seville, Madrid, and Valencia. Only under 12s are exempt. Government right on boosters, but not on children. The government got it right on booster jabs said another senior travel industry source. But they didn't get it right on children. We are well behind the Europeans who started treating children as adults much earlier for vaccine purposes. The chaos comes just a day after the government ditched all tests for vaccinated travellers and scrapped quarantine and day 8 tests for unjabbed people and children returning to the UK. Children aged 12 to 15 years old will also get access to digital Covid passes from February 3 in time for half term. At present they are excluded from using it, curbing their ability to easily prove their jab status. Difficulties in other countries Single-jabbed children who have not had COVID could, however, still face difficulties in other countries. The Super Green Pass in force in Italian ski resorts requires proof of vaccination or past infection for anyone over 12 to access services including lifts, restaurants, bars and hotels. A negative test is no longer accepted to activate the pass. 
travelers who are not fully vaccinated are not permitted to visit France. But unvaccinated children aged 12 and over must provide a negative test result like all adults, and are exempt from isolating if traveling with a double vaccinated adult. The Ninja Pass scheme in Austria applies to children aged 12 to 15, who must take two PCR tests plus one antigen test during the course of a week's holiday to obtain a lift pass and entry to all hospitality venues. 12 to 15 year olds have only been eligible for second doses since the 20th of December. The low take up may have been affected by the numbers catching COVID. Figures on Tuesday showed pupil absence due to COVID more than doubled in a fortnight from 2%, 159,000, to 3.9%, 322,000. Crackdown on truancy. Meanwhile, the government is launching a crackdown on truancy as school absence rates more than doubled in the wake of the pandemic. Schools will be given a new legal duty to draw up an attendance policy, under proposals from the Department for Education, DfE. There are currently 12.6% of pupils absent from school, according to the latest official figures released on Tuesday. This includes 5.1% of pupils who were absent because they have tested positive for COVID, have symptoms or have been sent home owing to an outbreak. During the autumn and spring terms of the academic year 2018 forward 19, the average absence rate was 4.7%. For the decade prior to the pandemic, absence rates had generally been falling from 6.4% in 2006 forward 7. Ministers are concerned that while COVID accounts for some of the additional absence rate, there is still a high number of children who have failed to return to school after lockdown. Nadim Zawi, the Education Secretary, said that while absence due to COVID is unavoidable there are other reasons why children are missing out on school. Officials at the DfE have published plans to set national rules on attendance, including when parents should be issued with fines for their child's absence. Fines could be considered after a certain number of unauthorized absences from a pupil within a certain period and for persistent incidents of lateness, the proposals say. Greek Prime Minister faces calls to resign after snow chaos. A severe snowstorm has battered Greece and its normally sun-soaked islands, sparking a political crisis with the main opposition leader calling on Conservative Prime Minister Kirikos Mitsotakis to resign after thousands of people were left trapped on a motorway. The call by former Prime Minister Alexis Tsipras came after motorists, many of them senior citizens, called into radio and television stations, crying for help and assistance, after being stuck for up to 20 hours on Attiki Odos, a 65-kilometer, 40-mile, motorway close to Athens. The snowstorm hit on Monday night, causing chaos. Please, please, please cried Michalis, a 75-year-old driver, please, show us some mercy. Help us. We are freezing. We have been left without any petrol, nothing to tie us over. 
Rescue crews working overnight managed to evacuate some 3,500 drivers on the privately run motorway, authorities said on Tuesday. But at least 1,200 others remained stuck, and thousands more struggled on other roads and highways snaking through Athens, home to half the country's population of 11 million. Fifteen passengers, meanwhile were injured when a rail transport vehicle tried to pull a train carrying more than 200 passengers in heavy snow. And much of the Greek capital has been left without heat and electricity, sending hundreds of families streaming to their cars to keep warm as temperatures continued to dip below freezing levels. Mr Mitsotakis, who is responsible for this mess, is nowhere to be seen. The quicker this government resigns, the faster they will leave, the better for this country. The government refused to comment. But during a morning briefing after crisis talks with the Prime Minister, Christos Stylionides, Greece's climate crisis and civil protection minister, said it was untimely to afford any blame. Hours earlier he apologised for the government's failings and members of the administration vowed to compensate each of the trapped motorists with €2,000, £1,600. The severe snowstorm, named Elpis, has been battering the country since the start of the week, disrupting air, road and rail traffic. Snowfall is common in the Greek highlands but rare in the centre of Athens and the country's islands. A two-day holiday ordered for six storm-hit regions of the country, keeping schools, state services and banks shut, was due to extended by an additional 24 hours, including the Greater Athens area, officials said. America doubting Germany loyalty, US-German alliance weakens as Russia turns pressure up. Russia has been warned it will be swiftly hit with an unprecedented package of sanctions in the event of fresh incursion in Ukraine after world leaders, of Britain, the US, Germany, Italy, Poland and France, presented a united front to combat a feared invasion. But Germany has raised concerns over its reaction to the threat posed by Russia to Ukraine after it recently blocked NATO ally Estonia from giving Ukraine military support. Critics say Germany could be reluctant to move against Russia due to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is to transport Russian gas to Germany bypassing Ukraine, despite threats from Berlin to cut this deal off in the event of all-out war. And now the US is said to have doubts about Germany's loyalty to the alliance. Writing for the Wall Street Journal, foreign policy writer Tom Rogan, launched a scathing attack on Germany saying cheap gas, car exports to China and keeping Mr Putin calm was more important to Berlin than allied democratic solidarity. He said, as Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine looms, most Western allies are acting to support Kyiv and reassure vulnerable members of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Germany is taking a different approach, putting Russian interests before those of the West. Berlin reveals a serious reality, facing the two most consequential security threats to America and to the post-World War II democratic international order China and Russia Germany is no longer a credible ally. For Germany, cheap gas, 
car exports to China and keeping Mr. Putin calm seem to be more important than allied democratic solidarity. Ukraine's fate will convey on Germany a heavy burden of responsibility. While Katja Hoyer, an Anglo-German historian and journalist, said rifts in the alliance were there for all to see. Writing for the Washington Post, she said, seen in that light, Biden's in his news conference that a minor incursion into Ukraine by the Russians would meet with a different response from NATO compared with a full-on invasion suggests that Washington and Berlin have been discussing how to handle minimal German support for economic sanctions. Rifts in the alliance were there for all to see. She said Germany had become a weak link in NATO's line of defense. Ms. Hoyer said, with Germany hesitant and the United States seemingly resigned to compromise if the scale of the Russian invasion allows it, Moscow might well think it's worth the gamble. If it does, the escalation in Eastern Europe will be not in small part due to Berlin's urge to look east rather than west. Germany has become a weak link in NATO's line of defense. Publicly the U.S. has sought to defend Germany with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken saying last week, it's fair to say that the United States has no better partner, no better friend in the world than Germany. With U.S. President Biden said Germany was ready to respond swiftly, effectively and in a united way and he no doubts about that. Meanwhile. Poland's Prime Minister hit out at Germany for its reaction to the threat posed by Russia to Ukraine following reports that Germany is blocking NATO ally Estonia from giving Ukraine military support. Matus Mororiki said in a Facebook post, I observe with concern the situation in Ukraine and the reactions of our neighbours from Germany in the face of the threat from Russia. A great disappointment is, among other things. Germany withholding its consent for the supply of weapons from Estonia to a state that is preparing to defend itself against an aggressor. While Latvian Defence Minister Artis Pabriks said Berlin's policy on weapons for Ukraine was a big mistake, according to German Daily Bild. But German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has said his country has not supported the export of weapons in recent years. Poland has long urged Germany to take a tougher stance towards Russia, particularly as regards the Nord Stream 2 Baltic Sea gas pipeline from Russia to Germany. Some Central and Eastern European countries think the pipeline will give Russian President Vladimir Putin a lever to exert undue influence on Western and Central Europe. Mr. Mororiki said the black scenario that Poland had been warning about was now arriving and that the construction of Nord Stream 2 and Russia's gas blackmail were giving Mr. Putin the tools to terrorize other European countries. It comes after the Prime Minister and the US President met virtually with the leaders of NATO, the EU, Italy, Poland, France and Germany on Monday evening as they hoped to avert what Boris Johnson warned would be a bloody and protracted conflict for Moscow. Downing Street said they stressed diplomatic discussions with Russia remains the first priority, but said the nation would be hit with swift retributive responses if a further Russian incursion into Ukraine takes place. The U.S. State Department has cleared Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia to send us made missiles and other weapons to Ukraine. 
Dorset knob throwing competition axed after growing too popular. A knob throwing festival has been cancelled because it has outgrown the capacity of organisers to run it. Dorset knob throwing, held in the small village of Catistock near Dorchester alongside the Frome Valley Food Festival, was set to go ahead on the 1st of May. It was first held in 2008 and would see people compete to throw Dorset's traditional knob biscuits as far as they can down a field. Side events would include knob eating, knob painting, a knob and spoon race, guess the weight of the big knob and knob darts. Organisers said the 2019 event attracted over 8,000 people, meaning it had reached such a size that it cannot be run by a small village committee. They also had trouble with supply of knobs from Ross, the family bakers who have made the biscuits for more than 140 years. This will be the third year in a row that the event has been cancelled. It did not run in 2020 as a venue could not be secured, nor in 2021 due to Covid. Alexandra Watts, chair of the Dorset Knob Throwing Committee said. We've looked at various options but sadly couldn't make any of them work for this year for many reasons. We hope the event can return in years to come. Organisers assured people that Morse were still making the biscuit and people were free to throw them at their own discretion. The Dorset knob was first baked in Marshwood Vale, north of Bridport, sometime before 1860, according to the Morse. It was customary to make the knobs by adding butter and sugar to leftover dough and leaving them to dry in the dying heat of the bread oven. It is thought their name comes from the hand-sewn Dorset knob buttons that were also made locally. They can be eaten with the local blue vinny cheese, dipped in tea or cider, or taken with honey and cream, known to Dorset folk as thunder and lightning. Knob throwing formally began in 2008. The record length of a throw is 29.4 m, 96 feet, set by Dave Phillips in 2012. Rules of the game Contestants can throw three knobs per go, the furthest thrown knob is measured. Only the knobs provided can be used. Only standing throws from the marked standing point will count. Throws must be underarm. One foot must remain on the ground during throwing. Distances will only be measured within the designated throwing zone, which is 5m wide by 32m long. Knobs will be measured where they come to rest. If a knob breaks upon landing the umpire will decide what counts as the, the resting place. Bedbound Gran, 91, with cancer stuck in horrific London flat so plagued by leaks the walls rain. A 91-year-old gran suffering from cancer has been stuck on a hospital bed in a leaking London flat for months after council failures. Winifred, Winnie, Wilson is living with her daughter, Sue Roberts, in a small, leaking flat in Fulham as they wait for their damp-riddled home to be fixed. Sue, 67, is a full-time carer for mum, who is bedbound and suffering with both dementia and cancer. The two have been living in a two-bed council flat near the family home since November after Hammersmith and Fulham Council told them it would repair multiple leaks and cracked ceilings at the property. 
but Sue has been forced to move Winnie into the living room of the tiny flat after the bedroom at their temporary flat started to leak. She said, for mom it's dreadful. When it rained recently, water was trickling down the wall. All the seals on the windows are broken so there's constant condensation in the windows inside the double glazing. It just beggars belief. It's just exhausting. Sue moved into a house owned by Hammersmith and Fulham Council with Winnie, her son, and three granddaughters in 2018. While caring for her mum, Sue has spent years trying to get the council to fix damp and cracked ceilings at their family home. Sue said the house was also infested with mice, meaning she had to fill the holes herself to stop them coming in. The family of five have been living out of boxes for almost four years while waiting for repairs to the property. She said, I'm not scared of mice, which is a good job. They come in at night when you're laid here and I can hear it rustling. The family are still waiting for the problems to be sorted with no idea when they can return home. Sue says this is causing a lot of stress. She said, it's killing me. They have had nearly four years to get this right. The walls all coming away outside. We've never been able to settle and decorate and make it nice. She said Christmas this year in the small flat was difficult for the family, who are trying to make the most of their last years with Winnie. She added, we had to move her to a strange house, it was just horrendous. Every Christmas we have we think it might be our last with her. But it was just chaos trying to get everybody in. It was just a nightmare. Despite there being huge visible cracks on the inside and outside walls of her house, Sue said no one can tell her what has been causing the leaks. She claims contractors have put up scaffolding outside the house four times to get the issues sorted but nothing has been done to resolve them. She added, we have weeks and weeks where nothing's done. I'm constantly emailing. And then you hear nothing. Last week, councillors apologised after Hammersmith and Fulham was dubbed the worst housing provider for damp and mould in the country. The council has pledged to invest £600 million in repairing and refurbishing its housing stock over the next 12 years. A spokesperson for Hammersmith and Fulham Council said, we are sorry it has taken so long for repairs to Ms. Roberts' home. The property has complex issues that unfortunately require major repair works and required them to move out while these are completed. Now that we've found temporary accommodation for Ms. Roberts and her family, we should be able to complete these repairs and get them home as soon as possible. We are addressing any issues with her temporary accommodation to make sure she and her family are happy. NATO countries map, full list of members and what they've said about the Russia and Ukraine conflict. Tensions between Russia and Ukraine are continuing to mount, as Downing Street warned of an unprecedented package of sanctions should Vladimir Putin invade. US President Joe Biden has said there is total unity among the West and the US has put 8,500 troops on high alert to deploy to Europe. 
Russia has around 100,000 troops stationed at Ukraine's eastern border. A key source of the tensions is Ukraine's desire to join NATO, which President Putin sees as a threat to Russia's borders. Many NATO members have already come out in support of Ukraine Here's everything you need to know. What is NATO? NATO stands for the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and is also known as the North Atlantic Alliance. Its purpose is to guarantee the freedom and security of its members through political and military means. NATO was founded in April 1949 in Washington, D.C. Its headquarters are in Brussels in Belgium. Politically, it aims to promote democratic values, and enables members to consult and cooperate on defense and security-related issues to solve problems, build trust and, in the long run, prevent conflict. Regarding military action, NATO says it is committed to the peaceful resolution of disputes. If diplomatic efforts fail, it has the military power to undertake crisis management operations. It uses a system of collective security, whereby its independent member states agree to mutual defense in response to an attack by any external party. It may also ally with external forces. Which countries are in NATO? There are currently 30 countries in NATO, 27 in Europe, 2 in North America and 1 in Eurasia. Here are the countries, along with the year they joined. Albania, 2009. Belgium, 1949. Bulgaria, 2004. Canada, 1949. Croatia, 2009. Czech Republic, 1999. Denmark, 1949. Estonia, 2004. France, 1949. Germany, 1955. Greece, 1952. Hungary, 1999. Iceland, 1949. Italy, 1949. Latvia, 2004. Lithuania, 2004. Luxembourg, 1949. Montenegro, 2017. Netherlands, 1949. North Macedonia, 2020. Norway, 1949. Poland, 1999. Portugal, 1949. Romania, 2004. Slovakia, 2004. Slovenia, 2004. Spain, 1982. Turkey, 1952. United Kingdom, 1949. United States, 1949. NATO says its membership is open to any other European state in a position to further the principles of its treaty and to contribute to the security of the North Atlantic area. What have they said about Ukraine and Russia? In response to Russia's annexation of Crimea in 2014, NATO increased its presence in the eastern part of the alliance, including with four multinational battle groups in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania and Poland.
These units, led by the UK, Canada, Germany and the US respectively, are multinational and combat ready. NATO says, their presence makes clear that an attack on one ally will be considered an attack on the whole alliance. There were no NATO forces in the eastern part of the alliance before 2014. United Kingdom Downing Street said after discussions between the UK and other NATO nations, the leaders agreed that, should a further Russian incursion into Ukraine happen, allies must enact swift retributive responses including an unprecedented package of sanctions. The UK recently sent a group of around 30 elite troops and 2,000 anti-tank missile launchers to Ukraine, and is currently leading a multinational battle group of 831 troops from Denmark, France and Iceland based in Estonia. Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said on Friday, We are very clear, together with our allies in the G7, with our allies in NATO, that if there is an incursion by Russia into Ukraine, it would come at a massive cost. We are prepared to put very severe sanctions in place. United States The US is currently engaged in diplomatic talks with Russia and is due to provide a written response to Russian demands for security guarantees over NATO expansion to the east this week. Over the last year alone the US has provided more than $400 million, 300 million pounds in security assistance to Ukraine. This includes Javelin anti-tank missiles, small arms and ammunition. The US leads a NATO multinational battle group stationed in Poland made up of over 1,000 Croatian, Romanian and British troops. President Biden said last week, the only war that is worse than one that's intended is when it's unintended and what I'm concerned about is that this could get out of hand. I am hoping that Vladimir Putin understands that he is, short of a full-blown nuclear war, he is not in a very good position to dominate the world. And so I don't think he thinks that, but it is a concern. France France has been relatively quiet over the conflict so far. French President Emmanuel Macron said last week, I think our credibility vis-à-vis -vis Russia lies primarily in entering into demanding dialogue. And we see that looking at the dialogue that the US and Russia are currently undertaking. I think that it is good for there to be coordination between Europe and the US but it is vital that Europe has its own dialogue with Russia. Germany Germany leads a group of states in a multinational battle group with more than 1,200 troops from Belgium, Czech Republic, Iceland, Luxembourg, the Netherlands and Norway, which is based in Lithuania. However, German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock has said, we must not contribute to unsettling the situation further. We need to continue to support the Ukrainian government very clearly and above all maintain the stability of the country. Kyiv Mayor Vitaly Klitschko has accused Germany of betraying Ukraine by supporting a Russian gas pipeline and refusing to export arms to his country. Spain The Spanish government has sent warships to join NATO naval forces in the Mediterranean and the Black Sea. It is also considering sending fighter jets to Bulgaria, NATO has said.
Denmark. Denmark has sent a frigate and warplanes to the Baltics and works with the UK in Estonia under that NATO framework. Its foreign minister said that the EU is ready to impose never-seen-before economic sanctions if Russia invades. The Netherlands The Netherlands is sending two F-35 fighter aircraft to Bulgaria from April to support NATO's air policing activities in the region and is putting a ship and land-based units on standby for NATO's response force. Canada Canada is leading one of the multinational battle groups from Latvia which contains more than 1,500 troops. It has also offered a loan of up to $95.6 million, £71 million, to Ukraine in order to support its economy. Greece Greek government minister Milshadis Vavitshatis said last week that Greece will support a strong EU reaction to any Russian invasion of Ukraine. Estonia Last week, the Wall Street Journal reported that Estonia was prevented from providing Ukraine with military support by Germany. Why would Russia want to invade Ukraine? Ukraine declared itself independent of the Soviet Union in August 1991 and moved to a market economy. But there has been tension between its old ties to Russia and new allegiances with Western nations ever since. Things escalated when Russia seized and annexed the Crimean Peninsula in southern Ukraine in 2014, in response to Ukrainians ousting their pro-Russian president through mass protests. Weeks later, Russia threw its weight behind a separatist insurgency that broke out in Ukraine ceased. More than 14,000 people have died in the fighting in the region, known as the Donbas, and at least 2 million people have been forced to flee their homes. Ukraine and the West have accused Russia of sending troops and weapons to back the rebels' charges Moscow has denied. A 2015 peace agreement brokered by France and Germany helped end large-scale battles but efforts to reach a political settlement have failed. Russia has accused Ukraine of failing to honor the 2015 peace deal, and accuses the West of not encouraging Ukrainian compliance. Ukraine accuses Russia and the separatists of breaking the peace deal and continuing to attack its forces. We hope that you have enjoyed our podcast. We thank you for your support. We hope to see you again next time.